gentlemen, the Eagles somehow found a way last week to have the most Eagles loss of the 2021 Nick Sirianni era. Uh, thank you, Jonathan Gannon. They lost to the Chargers, but they get another matchup in the AFC West this week. And uh, joining me on Eagles Enemies this week, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, is the one and only Joe Rowles. He's the man, the myth, the legend with everything Broncos. I, I've seen Joe's perfect BoJack Horseman Twitter, Abby, uh, all over Twitter, and I'm super excited to have you on the show, man. Thanks for joining us on Eagles Enemies. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So getting into this Broncos team, obviously the biggest news over the last couple of weeks is uh, Von Miller is no longer a Bronco. Take me through from your vantage point of everything that went down. Why do you think Von Miller got traded? Um, and, you know, was it kind of just one of those changing of the guard things or was it the price that the Rams were offering was just too good to give up? I think in a lot of ways it was accepting the fact that this Broncos team is not going to make the Super Bowl, um, which I mean, to outsiders, I think no one actually expected Denver to win a Super Bowl this year. But when the Broncos kind of fell to Cleveland, it kind of marked the the sign that this Broncos team just there's too many holes in the roster at this point because of injuries. Uh, and so at that point, I think it just became a move to do what you can to kind of start to build the long term foundation. Uh, the Broncos are already starting a lot of young players. And in Von Miller, George Payton probably saw a 32-year-old Hall of Fame edge rusher that he probably wasn't going to be able to re-sign. And so it turned into, well, we have cap space. If the Rams are willing to give us day two picks in exchange for Von Miller with us eating the cap, it, it gives us extra additional top 100 picks. And so at that point, it became too good to pass up. And it also... It also gave Von Miller kind of a chance to chase another ring. Uh, so I think the Broncos tried to do right by him as well. So, yeah, uh, I mean, Von Miller, all time Bronco, in, in my opinion, from the outside looking in. So when that type of news breaks, it's like jaw on the ground, like, holy hell, like you don't expect it. But then when you look into it and kind of take the shock factor away from it, I think it made both, both sense for the Broncos and the Rams mm -hmm. uh, to go and make that move. With the Broncos, though, I think the biggest question has been uh, since Peyton Manning retired, the quarterback position. It's been Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater this year coming in as well. What's been your assessment of Mr. Teddy Two Gloves uh, kind of manning the ship for the most part this season as that bridge quarterback, no pun intended with his last name, um, and kind of where you see the Broncos going and approaching the quarterback position after this season, is it something that could be addressed in the draft? Is it a free agency thing? Is it Aaron Rodgers? What What do you think the Broncos quarterback situation has looked like so far this year to kind of, you know, forge into the future of decision making at the, you know, the most important position in the game? Uh, I'm, I think it's safe to say that Teddy Bridgewater is the Broncos best quarterback since Peyton Manning retired, which is both a sign of like how bad things have been in Broncos country since Manning retired. And also Bridgewater's quietly playing pretty well this year. Uh, he has limitations and he's always going to, which is probably why he's never going to truly be a franchise quarterback at this point in his career, but he's accurate. He does a decent job managing the pocket. He does a good job buying time, which helps the offensive line hold up because the Broncos in this game, especially the Broncos are going to be starting three backups along the uh, uh, offensive line because of injuries. And it's going to be on Bridgewater to kind of make the most of that. Uh, but he's been accurate. He has good poise. He 
the leadership qualities he's showing has definitely kind of been a, a marked change in the locker room. You see a lot of young guys kind of rallying around him. Um, so I do think that the Broncos are pretty comfortable with him as the starting quarterback as of right now. Um, I do know that George Payne is scouting heavily the 22 quarterback class. Um, and also there's been a rampant reports that the Broncos are going to aggressively pursue Aaron Rodgers. So it's kind of a we'll see situation. Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent after this season. Um, I do suspect that if the Broncos are chasing a rookie quarterback, they will try and bring him back to serve as kind of the mentor to whoever they take. Um, and then obviously if they kind of get word that Rodgers is available, that could change pretty drastically. Because I feel like from an outsider perspective and somebody who's a rampant fantasy football player as well, the Broncos have just been like craving that like all-star quarterback to help out the skill position players on this team that I think almost every team in the NFL would be drooling and clamoring for with the mm -hmm. wide receivers that when they're all healthy, I think is arguably one of the best wide receiver cores in the NFL. You have Noah Fant in the mix, and now Melvin Gordon still looks like he can produce at a, a very high level, and uh, Jamonte Williams coming in as well. Um, but this wide receiver core, I feel like, doesn't get enough love for how talented they are from Jerry Judy so when KJ Hamler is healthy to Tim Patrick, and obviously if you throw Noah Fant in there as well, why do you think, is it because there's not like that premium quarterback there that this Broncos wide receiver core and these receiving weapons don't get the love I think that they deserve? I think that's definitely part of it. And also the injury to Jerry Judy definitely kind of slowed everything down in the middle of the first stretch of eight game or first stretch of games. Um, when Judy went down, the Broncos really struggled through October. Um, they were down to Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton as far as their receivers. And then they leaned on Kendall Hinton, um, who was the emergency quarterback last year. He's still earning snaps, but he's, he's kind of a, you know, the afterthought weapon at this point, but Judy coming back in Dallas. And then also we saw it in Washington has really changed how Pat Shermer calls games. Um, his ability to separate uh, really just opens up the passing game in a way that the Broncos just didn't have with Patrick and Sutton. They're both very, very good contested catch guys. They both can win bully ball. Um, neither one of them are great at separating consistently. So that has kind of made the offense up until Judy's return really kind of boomer bust. And pairing that with Bridgewater, who is he's better downfield than I think a lot of na uh, national fans of the NFL will kind of give him credit for. But he's also like, that's not really his game. In an ideal world, Bridgewater is happy to take a six-yard check down and let the guy kind of let whoever he dumps it off to make room after the catch. Um, Judy can do that. Fant can do that. Without either one of them, the Broncos were really kind of dependent on him creating chunk plays. And you see, the Broncos wide receiver core is so talented, I totally forgot about my favorite receiver, Cortland Sutton. Um, and I mean... You talk about the offensive line as well coming into this game with three backups and the injuries across the board, and yet Melvin Gordon is still playing at a very decently high level um, from what I think a lot of people expected him to be at at this point of his career because I think he was always tethered to Todd Gurley um, when they were both drafted. And it's like, oh, they're at the same point of their careers. Melvin Gordon has to be you know, toast. He's got to be washed. He's going to a new team. The Chargers gave up on him because he doesn't have it anymore. What do you think has worked so well with Melvin Gordon uh, coming over to the Broncos from the Chargers over the past couple seasons. So I think the biggest strength of Gordon's game is his vision. He does a really good job making like minute mo movements to kind of maximize his blocking. 
He also combines that with good play strength and good contact balance, and he's a solid athlete. So he does a good job of kind of just creating what's there and making the most of what what's in front of him. Um, I know Broncos fans have been very kind of chomping at the bit for Javante Williams to really eat into his role. And so far that hasn't happened, even though the rookie is definitely more explosive and uh, Williams contact balance is, I mean, it's, it's startling how good it is. Um, but the rookie just isn't quite as consistent in terms of his decision-making. And that comes down to his vision. It looked better in the Dallas game. And that's something that I know a lot of fans are going to be looking for over the last eight games, but Right now, Gordon's definitely the RB1. Yeah, 100%. And it's been like one of those, oh, this is nice. Running backs can have, you know, second life on their career, even Mm -hmm. if a a team kind of moves on from them. Um, But again, going back to the offensive line as well, you bring up the the injuries across the board. How do you view, you know, the guys stepping up and filling in for the injured players on this offensive line, matching up against the Eagles, you know, front seven, mostly the front four because the Eagles – Let's all be honest, even everybody outside of Philadelphia knows they don't have linebacker play whatsoever. Um, but how do you view the the battle in the trenches kind of unfolding this week from your perspective? I think it's probably going to be one of the two biggest matchups in the game, uh, just because the Broncos are starting Calvin Anderson, I think. I, and I don't have the number right in front of me, but I want to say it's his fourth start. They are starting Quinn Miners, uh, who is a rookie uh, out of Wisconsin Whitewater. He was a career left guard. He will be making his first start at right guard in the NFL. Um, And then next to him is going to be Cameron Fleming, who you guys may be familiar with because of his time with Dallas. And then the Giants, not a great pass blocker, a decent run blocker, pretty strong, but he's kind of shaky in pass pro. So the opportunity is going to be there for the Eagles front four to create pressure on Bridgewater. And it's going to come down to Pat Sherman, the play calling to make sure that they do a, a nice mix of like, establishing the run using quick game mixing in a couple of easy screens stuff like that to just kind of keep Bridgewater from getting heated up too much and I think that is like what Eagles fans are kind of clamoring for with this front fours and it's a matter of you know you bring up Pat Shermer it's a matter of what he calls you know play wise I think it's a matter of what Jonathan Gannon decides to dial up because we've been like pulling our hair out crying and clamoring for him to just call blitzes and he finally started to do it last week and then in the most important drive of the game against the Chargers just disappeared and turned into a wet paper towel like he has been for most of the season um so I mean I I think my biggest concern is that since Brandon Graham went down the Eagles have struggled with defending the run and it is just so evident that Brandon Graham is their best run stopping defensive end so I think that's one matchup I'm looking for is how the offensive line does in run protection and allows Melvin Gordon to, you know, create holes for him, let him get loose because if they're able to to block and run protection and allow Melvin Gordon to get, you know, where he wants to be into that second level through to the linebackers and everything, I think it'd be a, a, a fun afternoon for him against this Eagles defense that is just not having the best time against running backs this year. <laughs> Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, 
and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I would definitely say if you if anybody listening is playing uh, fantasy football, if you have Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams, I'd feel pretty comfortable starting them this week. Not necessarily as like, you know, a damning of the Eagles, but I just think that the Broncos after the Dallas game really and again, maybe part of this might be hope. But I think Pat Shermer finally kind of saw what could happen with his offense if he really just sticks to the ground game. I also think it's an easy way for him to try and protect his offensive line because individually the Broncos offensive line at this point with the way the injuries have kind of fallen out individually, they don't probably win any of those matchups one-on-one against the Eagles defensive four front four. Um, so it's going to come down to like kind of a group effort and then just using play calling to try and keep them from being stuck in like just drop back passing mode. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest issue that the Eagles are going to have is, opposite of Darius Slay. Steven Nelson has been good. It's just I think the Broncos pass game when Teddy Bridgewater has an opportunity to pass the ball, he's going to have weapons across the board. And I think if he's able to, you know, recover, because I know he just came off of the the COVID uh, list with uh, Noah Fant, I think he could be a huge factor in this game. Along with running backs, the Eagles have been decimated by opposing tight ends this year. Um, How do you view Noah Fant coming off of you know, the health and safety protocols into this game first action since then. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a, a big contributor just because Albert O looks like he's dealing with a knee injury. So I don't know necessarily where he's going to be at by game day. Uh, Eric Sobert, the Broncos third tight end is a better blocker than he is a receiver. He's a, he's a capable set of hands, but he's not necessarily a dynamic athlete. But Noah fan, especially, you know, obviously if he's back to health, he has the kind of tools to really create a lot of mismatches in the second and third level, just because he's too big for most DBs and he's going to be too athletic for most of the Eagles linebackers to stick with. So it's going to create situations and especially with Bridgewater, who's happy to take the easy completions. I would be surprised if Bridgewater's completion percentage is not hovering around that 80% mark that you guys have kind of seen a few times this year, just because he's happy to take those easy passes. Yeah. And I think if Pat Shermer can, realize that off off the rip and and yeah. just kind of go at the Eagles linebackers consistently with Noah Fant it's going to be a long afternoon for this defense um and then on the flip side the Broncos defense we talked a little bit about Von Miller at the top of the show but I think overall this Broncos defense has impressed a lot of people there's a lot of new young pieces that are kind of blue chip players on this defense uh how have you viewed their play this year and how they've been able to kind of you know, keep this team in games and, and keep things rolling this season and have the Broncos at five and four. I will admit that I expected the Cowboys to roll the Broncos in part because of the issues on defense, um, just because they've had so many injuries. Uh, what's made them really, really fun the last couple of weeks is that so many young players are just kind of playing above expectations right now. Um, so part of me keeps hoping or not keeps hoping. Part of me keeps hoping that they can keep it going because I'm also very anxious about the fact that if they kind of like start to creep back to like earth as people get tape on them, that could be a problem. Um, because up front after the Von Miller trade, the Broncos have backups at every one of their linebacker spots. Uh, and then last week they did not have their starting nose tackle. 
And then as of right now, it looks like Patrick Sertan, the Broncos best cornerback. He's also a rookie, but the Broncos best cornerback, it looks like he will not play against the Eagles, which means the Broncos are back to starting Kyle Fuller and Devonta Smith versus Kyle Fuller makes me really anxious just because I know the former bear was an all pro in 2018, but from what he's shown on tape this season, he just doesn't necessarily have the same quickness and athleticism that he had earlier in his career. And against somebody like Smith who has the route running chops and the athleticism, that could be a huge issue if the Broncos pass rush isn't up to snuff. And then it's obviously Nick Sirianni and, and company allowing Jalen Hurts to target Devontae Smith a minimum of 10 times. I don't know why that has been so difficult for them this year, um, but I've asked everybody that's come on the show this year in every matchup the Eagles have had because it's so new for us as Eagles fans, as people who talk about the team, the, the speed factor that the Eagles are displaying on offense they're not always using it, but it is there on paper, at least, uh, you know, from Devonte Smith to Quez Watkins uh, when he decides to run forward Jalen Rager uh, and now kind of this like hybrid scat back type deal that they're running with Kenneth Gainwell. And now they've added Jordan Howard into the mix as kind of the quote unquote power back. Um, and then you have Dallas Goddard at the tight end position. How do you view the Broncos defense matching up with the speed element that the Eagles present along with Jalen Hurts being able to run with his legs? Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Yeah. Uh, and again, I mentioned Fuller, and that's honestly the biggest concern I have. The Broncos also are going to have issues at, at their slot just because Bryce can't. Well, if Patrick Sertan doesn't play, and it, as of now it looks like he won't play, Fuller is going to move from the slot corner spot to the boundary, and then replacing him in the nickel is going to be Nate Harrison, who's been a journeyman for most of his career. He's played okay, uh, but he's not – like individually, if he gets isolated in coverage, that's going to be a bad matchup for the Broncos. And teams have done a decent job this year of exploiting Vic Fangio's coverage rules, especially with number two receivers to get them going vertically and isolating those players. So we could see Nate Harrison kind of get toasted, um, especially because the Broncos are going to have to try and protect Kyle Fuller. So that is definitely a concern. Um, as far as Dallas Goddard, he's actually probably the scariest receiver that you guys have for this matchup, just because the Broncos linebacker core, there's, if Baron Browning's healthy and right now he missed practice yesterday, but if Baron Browning's healthy, he'll be playing his third start. Um, and he missed most of OTAs, most of training camp with injuries. Uh, so he hasn't practiced much. Um, he's played pretty well considering that. And he has a lot of athletic tools, but the questions about like mental processing back in the draft, you could potentially kind of get him making a mistake in coverage. Also, Kenny young is the Broncos other starting linebacker. Uh, and Kenny Young was acquired in a trade two weeks ago, right before the Von Miller trade. So he's kind of getting his feet wet as far as the Fangio scheme as well. So I'm definitely kind of nervous about what they could do with Goddard. And I definitely know that Jalen Hurts is probably going to look to him. And I have to ask, because he's on the roster, how's our old friend Ronald Darby doing? I've been okay with him. Um, I was very nervous after the Broncos signed him just because after his, I, after his stretch with you guys and just the sheer number of injuries that he's had in his career. 
it was kind of nerve wracking for me that the Broncos signed him after the one healthy season he's had with Washington. Um, that said, he's played okay. He's probably about probably the Broncos second best corner. Um, he will allow some big plays, but he has a short memory, does a good job in terms of like coming up and run fits. Um, and he'll make plays on the ball. Like he'll, he'll contest catches, not a big pick threat, but if you're throwing at him and it's an easy way to easy for him to get his hands on the ball, he will. And then on the flip side with, you know, the Broncos presenting a a three, four and kind of having a defense that the Eagles really haven't seen much this year. How do you view the, you know, the Broncos and their ability to get after the quarterback through the trenches? How do you view them matching up against the Eagles offensive line? We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. So the name to watch there is going to be Jonathan Cooper. Uh, The Broncos seventh round rookie had a breakout game against Dallas, but he's actually over the last three games since he stepped into like Von Miller's role in the, in the starting lineup, he has created pressures as often as miles Garrett, um, which is wild. Uh, Some of that is matchup based. He played against a hurt Jedrick Wills. And then uh, Terrence Steele for the Cowboys had just switched over to left tackle after playing on the right side. So some of that's matchup based, but that said he, Good get off, very, very good hands. I'm I'm really impressed with his hands for a rookie. He's tenacious, like he will not stop rushing. So he's gonna win on some second effort plays. Better run defender than you expect from a six foot two, 250 pound edge. Uh, and he's quick. Like I, I think he's going to be the guy to stop. And the Bron- the Broncos will try and get him favorable matchups. He'll probably play over left tackle quite a bit. Um, on the other side, if Malik Reed is healthy, and again, he mispracticed yesterday. If Malik Reed is healthy, he'll play on the other edge. Reed is kind of a weak run defender. I would say he's a he's below average in that regard, but he's a decent uh, decent on stunts, decent on games, uh, pretty okay cross chop. Um, so he'll win on second effort more than anything. And then the interior is kind of where the Broncos have a lot of talent, but they just haven't made a lot of splash plays as of yet. Draymond Jones is the big name. Him and Shelby Harris combined. They're both good cap gap penetrating defensive tackles. And they do a decent job playing gap and half in terms of like in run defense. Uh, so if the Eagles devote too much attention to Cooper, I could see one of the tackles kind of blowing up as well. And I think a lot of people have have discussed it just because Jalen Hurts still has not played a full slate of NFL games in his career. And people are way too quick to try to pull the plug on him, in my opinion. Um, but how do you view Vic Fangio kind of being that defensive minded head coach trying to you know, confuse Jalen Hurts, throw things at him that he hasn't seen before, especially with a 3-4 front and kind of, you know, trying to get him off his game. I expect the Broncos game plan to look a lot like what they did in week four against the Ravens. The Broncos tried to kind of hem Lamar Jackson into the pocket and make him win uh, as a passer without being able to move around and make second reaction plays. Uh, Lamar Jackson was able to do it. Lamar Jackson's a much better passer than people give him credit for. Uh, but I do expect something similar where the Broncos will try and hem Jalen Hurts in so he can't get out. That means that actually might mean that the pass rush is kind of shaky 
just because the edge rushers will probably have to devote a decent amount of attention to playing contain, respecting the RPO game, and then also like any sort of other reads that the Eagles might throw at them. And Jalen Hurts does a good job with that. Um, but I think Hurts is going to have to stand tall in the pocket and deliver passes. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's how most teams have tried to approach the Eagles is, yeah. you know, you can run the ball all you want, even, you know, even if you're not trying to, um, which the Eagles over the past couple of weeks have finally started to utilize that to open things up in the past game. But they're going to try to have Jalen Hurts beat them mm-hmm. with his arm rather than with his legs. And I think finally over the past couple of weeks against Detroit and against the Chargers, Nick Sirianni's realized, oh, we can use Jalen Hurts' legs. We can use a Jordan Howard uh, to, you know, kind of get the run game going. It's so weird that it's taken like Jordan Howard and, you know, Boston Scott to get the Eagles run game going when you had Miles Sanders all season until he got injured. But um, on the flip side with, with the Broncos receiving core, like we talked about earlier, who do you view getting that Darius Slay matchup and how do you see that kind of unfolding? So I think the Broncos move Cortland Sutton and uh, Tim Patrick around to try and create favorable matchups for them. But I do think the Eagles will try and get slay on Sutton as much as they can, just because Sutton is a little bit more dynamic uh, and he's probably more threatening. Um, That means that Tim Patrick might have a decent numbers day. um, But I think the Eagles will probably live with that. If it means Teddy Bridgewater has to throw it slay to get passes to Cortland Sutton. Because honestly, Darius slay has been, what he was advertised to be coming over from Detroit. Finally, he's showing that this year and it's, it's been very fun to watch. So I've been watching every Darius Slay matchup this year and he's been phenomenal. Um, how do you view uh, Pat Shermer coaching against a, a team he used to work for as well? Uh, and was a bit of an interim head coach for one game as well. When Chip Kelly got fired. I think in a lot of ways, this is another one of those test games for Shermer. Uh, the Dallas game was in a lot of ways, it was everything fans had been calling for him to do. He mixed in more quick game. He did a good job establishing the run. He stuck with it when it was working. And that has been a problem at times this year. Um, and so the concern for a lot of people in Broncos country is that this this game is going to be a letdown um, just because the Broncos offense has been slow to get off the starting blocks most of this season, honestly, most of his time in Denver. Um, Shermer, to his credit, said that he does not believe in emotional letdowns. Um, so we'll kind of see. Um, but I expect the Broncos to mix in a decent amount of shot plays. They'll do that around the 50-yard line. And then the red zone play calling is going to be something that really, I think it'll really dictate the matchup because the Broncos are going to need points in this game. And oddly enough, it's going to be like the most like springtime day weather-wise in Denver on Sunday uh, because that has been... In the back of my mind, I was like, oh, great. We have to go to Denver in November. It's probably going to be a blizzard, but it's going to be like 72 degrees at 10 a.m. And then by, uh, you know, game time, it's going to be around like 69, 65 degrees. So that won't play too much of a factor. But I think the altitude uh, for a lot of these guys who haven't played in Denver before could play a factor. How much do you think that's going to, you know, get into the game plan a bit of how some of these, you know, younger players on the Eagles play? Uh, for the first time in altitude. You'll definitely see more guys sucking wind on the sideline. They'll end up having more air. Uh, otherwise, the big thing is just endurance. So if on longer drives, if the Broncos can keep you on the field for a long time, you'll probably see more rotations with the defensive line and then maybe the linebackers as well. And uh, how many field goals do you think Brandon McManus wants to nail against uh, his hometown team coming from Temple University? 
Oh, I mean, I think he would love to get like the record. Uh, last week, the Broncos tried to try. Well, he wanted the Broncos to trot out for, I want to say it was a 68 yard field goal right before the half. And then the Broncos decided to just kill the clock instead of doing it. But it, it, that's the other thing that altitude will make a big difference for is that the Broncos, it, it makes kicks and punts go a little bit farther. Um, so that will be a thing this game. And we will see if the Broncos get bogged down far enough out, they will trot out McManus. They don't hesitate at 50 plus yards. And he's another guy that I think, because I think a lot of people don't put a lot of respect on field goal kicking as they yeah. should. But I think he's one of those guys that because he's playing in the era of, you know, Justin Tucker and Will Lutz and Harrison Butker, and he's been around for quite a while now. He doesn't get enough love and respect for how good he actually is as a field goal kicker. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the last player left from the Broncos Super Bowl 50 team now that Von Miller's a Ram. And last year, he tied the NFL record for 50-plus field goal attempts um, that he made. Um, I want to say it was 10. Again, I don't have the number right in front of me. But yeah, like he he has the leg to, to drill those kind of long balls, and he's pretty okay on kickoffs. Yeah, I think he's a, an absolute weapon for the Broncos that needs to be, you know, accounted for uh, in this game when it comes to, you know, determining field position and where the Broncos, you know, are when it comes to, you know, third and fourth downs, how you want to approach those downs. If they are in field goal range, how can you knock them out of McManus's range? That seems to be, you know, almost the entire field. Um, but I think he's he's somebody that could, you know, change the course of the game depending on how the Broncos, uh, you know, manage field position. Yeah, I agree. Um, the other kind of part of special teams I want to bring up too is the Broncos have actually been really weak on special teams outside of McManus. And McManus had a down game last week. He had a missed uh, point after and a missed field goal. He's been good most of the year, but the kickoff coverage units have been pretty shaky. The Broncos have actually allowed two blocked punts this year. Uh, the Jets got a partial block, and then the Dallas one that ended up working in the Broncos' favor, but you know that was a thing. But then also the Cleveland Browns got really close to a blocked punt also, and the Broncos' punt coverage has been pretty bad. So this could be a week where we see Jalen Rager go big. As long as he runs forward. <laughs> I, I've been clamoring for... Uh, an advanced stat on how many negative yards Jalen uh, Rager has run for in his NFL career because it seems like any time he is out there, he just decides to go backwards instead of forwards. I, I think he's a big uh, rewind button on the remote guy and uh, has to go back and catch things when he's watching TV because for whatever reason, he just hates running forward. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like, like 45 like... minutes and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today.
Hey! It's Top Ben's time! What's up? We're back. But, um, I am nervous, though, just because, like I said, McMahon has been bad for so long, and it's one of those things where the Broncos this year are actually devoting a lot of resources to try and boost their special teams. And by most of the advanced metrics that I care about, they still rank as one of the three or four worst special teams units in football. The field goal kicking has been okay. Um, again, like I said, McMahon sat down week, but everything else ranks near the bottom five. So it's definitely going to be something to watch then. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the, it's one of those things where I think normally a lot of fans during special teams, you like run to the bathroom really yeah. quick. This isn't the week to do it. This is the week where yeah. you can come back and all of a sudden it's a game changing play. For sure. Um, I'm excited for this matchup. How do you see things kind of unfolding uh, once this game comes to an end as it starts at 425 Eastern on uh, on Sunday out in Denver? So I think the game is going to get off to a slow start early just because I do think the Broncos offense is going to kind of have to try and find their footing with this backup offensive line. Cam Fleming and Quinn Miners next to each other on the right side is probably going to be a bit of a question just because, again, Miners has next to no experience in the NFL. Fleming's kind of a mark in terms of if you're going to run blitzes and run stunts, stuff like that, he's the guy to run them at. Um, but I do think eventually the Broncos will start to find their footing. I think Bridgewater will start to slice and dice the Jonathan Gannon secondary and just kind of take the easy completions. And I think that'll be enough to kind of keep the Broncos moving. And I think they come out of this game by probably about a touchdown. And if things kind of roll their way in terms of turnovers, I think it could get a little bit bigger. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm very nervous about this game, mostly it just being on the road um, and just the way that this defense is played. I think Teddy Bridgewater can have one of those games that we've seen in the past from him where he's able to kind of, like you said, slice and dice a defense, take those check downs, use them, and then that opens up the big passing play, and uh, that puts the nail in the coffin. I've asked everybody on the show this year, Joe, uh, an interesting question, whether it pertains to their, you know, their tweets about their team. Uh, and with your Twitter profile picture being BoJack Horseman, I have to ask, if you had to pick a Broncos player to be inserted into the BoJack Horseman universe, who would it be and why? Shelby Harris, without a doubt. Uh, Shelby Harris is hes a defensive lineman for the Broncos. He's a former seventh-round pick who got cut a lot. And then at one point, the Raiders cut him, the Broncos signed him, and he was the backup nose tackle. And in that role early in his career in Denver, he kind of blew up as like the sack, sack artist. And since then, he's turned it into a full-time role. But just beyond the actual production on the field, he's just he's a talker. He's a personality. So it just he'd be a fun character to watch in the show. That would be electric. I, I love that pick. Um, Joe, this was a blast. Um, we'll definitely have to have you on again if the Eagles end up playing the Broncos in the future. But let everybody know where they can check your Broncos coverage and where they can follow you on social media. Definitely. So I'm on Twitter at Joro underscore NFL. Uh, I write over at mile high report. And if you like my podcast, uh, like me talking, I guess uh, I do a lot of Broncos talk over at cover Two Broncos, my podcast during the off season, we do draft stuff. So it's not always Broncos. So um, but yeah, it was fun. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And I can't wait for this game. I'm sure we'll be talking uh, when the game's going on, kind of seeing what's going on between Teddy Bridgewater, Jalen Hurts, and the Broncos and the Eagles. But uh, big thanks for hopping on the show this week, Joe. Definitely. Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles Enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me 
on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe, 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every Eagles matchup throughout the season. We hope you guys enjoy Season 4 of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week. Go Birds! We'll be right back.